Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to uh, Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you guys have decided to join us this morning. Excuse me while I get situated here. Uh, my name is Alex Barrett. I'm the, the lead pastor. And uh, we are on a series called Our Imperfect Family. And uh, we're taking time over the next few weeks to talk about the Bible's idea and really more importantly, God's idea of what family life is. And we're covering really subjects from the purpose of family, God's intent for family in the world, uh, marriage, parenting, how to deal with trouble as a family. And uh, today I'm speaking specifically on what it looks like to team together in marriage. And for the second half of our time together today, I'll be joined actually by my wife, Samantha, and we're going to just share uh, the ways that we've aimed uh, to team together uh, as a couple and uh, share from our marriage in all of its imperfection as well. And so looking forward to having Sam join me uh, in a moment. For this series, like I mentioned uh, last week, we're doing something a little bit different. And we actually want to make this uh, interactive. We want you to be able to ask questions. We want you to be able to participate in some uh, polls that, that we have just to gauge where people are at, what are felt needs, what are the things that, that you guys are facing um, as part of the family of our church, the spiritual family, and also uh, in your own family. And I want to share just uh, results from our poll uh, from last week. We were just talking about where we tend to feel the most tension. And so you'll see uh, the results uh, on there. Where do you need the most help was the question. And uh, we had quite a few people you know, give the input on that uh, using the QR code. And uh, you can see that the, the biggest thing is, is dealing with, with past hurt. And so even as you were talking about family, what you come to find is because family, we all are in one, and it has such an impact in our life that even de dealing with the area of hurt is something that it, it takes time. Uh, we, need God, we need God's help. And so in this series, we aim to focus on how do we help people do that? Uh, more importantly, how, how does God help us uh, in the hurt that we have, sometimes from the closest people uh, that we have a relationship with? That can be when we were younger with our parents. That could be in our marriages. That could even be based on our, how, our relationship with our kids and kind of everything uh, in between. You'll see uh, the other results there. I want to put another uh, QR code for this week and encourage you to participate. And so you just get out your camera and you can scan this uh, QR code. You should see it there on the, the screen. And this will take you to a new poll uh, for this week specifically about parenting. And that's what we're going to be talking about next week. And so you can answer uh, that poll related to parenting. I encourage you to do that. Even if you don't have kids, you can still uh, rate just what your sense of uh, the, the question is. And we encourage everyone to participate. On the left-hand side, you'll also see of the screen, once you scan that, you could see that up there, a place where you can ask questions. And so I encourage you over the course of even this morning, uh, as we're looking at the scriptures or anything that we've talked about so far, if you have uh, questions, you can post them and I'll be able to see them. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is aim to answer those questions. And so you participate in the poll. And then on the, the left-hand side, you'll see uh, you just click that tab and you can go to the QA. So get out your camera, scan that. You can do that uh, right now. I encourage you to do that and participate with us. Uh, the reason this is important is, again, we want to answer your questions. And in fact, I just want to go over a few of the questions that have been submitted uh, so far. We're going to aim to answer these uh, today. So here's some of the Q&A so far. Uh, how do I, as a main provider for my family, fall into the role as wife? Like, what, what does that look like? And so we're going to answer that in a moment. Another question uh, pertinent to a lot of people is remarriage after divorce, not bringing past baggage into marriage, God's original design for marriage and family uh, relationship. We're going to be talking about that today as well. And then the third is, what do you recommend when you're feeling stuck with situations that are just out of your control, your health, you're running a business, dealing with elderly parents? And that's the idea of you have this family and all the things that are going on, and then how do you manage and balance it all at once? Now, this question I can relate to because I think that's all of us. It's like, how do you give attention to the things all at the same time? And so we're going to aim to answer that uh, today. But again, today we're focusing on marriage and how really the, the family flows from that. Uh, that's the foundation that we talked about last week of the family. God has created it, and the foundation is built on marriage. 
But this question is really important as we dig in today, and that is where did marriage come from? Where did marriage come from? Well, really, it could only come from two places. It either came from heaven or it came from earth. It came from the mind of God or it's come from just the human experience and existence deciding to create this thing that we call marriage. The reason this question is so important is because if it is just an earthly idea that started in the minds of humans, then as we change and as we have different ideas and different perspective, then we can reassess, reevaluate, and redetermine what marriage is because we created it. We can look and say, you know what? We're different than we were a couple thousand years ago. We're different. We've, we've been evolving and changing, and so therefore we need to change what marriage is because of all the change that we see in our world. But if marriage has come from the mind of God, from heaven, then what you find is it actually can't be changed because it's actually God's. He created it. He designed it. And so we may want to reevaluate. We may want to reassess it. We may want to actually make it fit into what we want. But then it may no longer be God's design. And this is why this question is so important. So our goal here at Ridgeview is to actually look. And our answer is we believe that it came from the mind of God. Therefore, he's determined what marriage is, how it should work. And when it gets out of line, how do we pick up the pieces? Again, like we talked about last week, how do we build on the rubble? And so this morning, I want to talk about how we can know that marriage has come from the mind of God, his design for it, and then what do we do when it gets messed up? And so let's dig in to the scriptures. I want to start with the, the first marriage team. This is beginning in creation in Genesis 2. If you've never read the book of Genesis, it's very helpful As you look at the origin story, we love origin stories like where did things begin? How did they start? Oftentimes we we find that in superhero movies and it's like we love these characters that we track, but what was their beginning? Well, we have a beginning too as humans, the human race. And the beginning of the human race comes again from the mind of God as he created us. And so I want to read this creation account specifically related to marriage in Genesis 2. It says, then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. Can I hear an amen? Thank you. Very interesting. The Lord decided this. It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. You see the dignity and the meaning. You get to name the animals that I've created. You have a purpose, humans, above every other created thing. Notice the animals didn't name the humans. The human, Adam, named the animals. In verse 20, he gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. He gave um, names, sorry, but still there was no helper just right for him. So not good for the man to be alone. He's got all these animals. He's naming these animals. He's managing this. He's got this important role. But then there's no helper who was, notice the words, just right for him. So verse 21, so the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Now, this is where it's interesting. I just want to stop here real quick. This is why deciding who created marriage is so important because I don't know about you, but I would not have come up with this kind of a story. Okay, you'll go to sleep, we'll pull a rib out, and then we'll make another human. Like, it makes no sense. Like, if I were to make up that myself, I was like, maybe it should be a little bit more believable. That's really a, a very crazy idea, but it's from the mind of God. In verse 22, then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, at last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. Literally, right? Literally. He sees all these animals and he's named them. And who knows? We don't know the, the state of the relationship. Like was, was Adam all these animals and they're just gathering and hanging out and he's like, you know, friends with them. We don't really know the state of the relationship with him and the animals, but he knew that there was a difference. And he says, at last, this one, this one's like me. 
verse 24. Oh, sorry. The second part, 23 says, she will be called woman because she was taken from man. Verse 24, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. This is the beginning. This you see the first teaming together, the first couple from the mind of God. And it started with this this actual picture of companionship and community, and it's a great picture of really the value that God has given us as humans. One, that we're made to be together. But more importantly, a man is supposed to be with a woman. This idea of the marriage, it's a good thing. It's from the mind of God. Marriage in our society is, is downgraded for the most part. The commitment people want to run away from. But here you see in the beginning uh, how important it is. And so I just want to walk through some, some key implications. First, God designed the delight in marriage. Again, it's, it's his idea. And you see this in this Genesis 2. Adam's really response at last, this excitement. The man what exclaimed at last. Finally, God has created something which is special. Special to me specifically. This idea of there's a now another human. Now this delight is actually speaking also really to the attraction. When he saw Eve he did not have any of that same reaction to anything else that was created. There was something special about this woman. He saw her and he exclaimed. The picture is, is when God creates man and woman and for each other to be in this love relationship, that there's actually something special. Speaking of this attraction, the fact that he brings these opposites together that complement each other. And it's unique and it's designed by God. And that's the second point. God designed uh, the relationship itself, again, from his mind. What this means is that we're, we're complementary opposites. Now, in our culture today, uh, there's so much talk about the value of men, the value of women, and, and who has more value. And, and in Scripture, men and women have the same value, period. Same value, but not the same. That's very important. Same value, but what? Not the same. If you've had kids and you have a boy and a girl, you know this. They are not the same. God created that difference. And that difference is meant to complement. And I don't know about you, but if this, man, if this earth was only filled with men, it'd be a terrible place to live. Thank you. And if this place was only filled with women, no, no woo, it'd be the same. It'd be no place that we want to live because God created this relationship of complementary opposites. Genesis 2, then Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be what alone. I'll make her help, a helper who is what? Just right. I love that. Just right. Just right. This is why marriage has to be defined by scripture and not by culture. Because if we try to redefine or recreate what marriage is, the fit will not be just right. It'll be like having puzzle pieces that do not fit together. They will not complement each other. They will break. They will brittle. And that's what we're seeing in our society. The marriage is breaking down because we're redefining. We're reassessing. We're reevaluating. We're recreating. But it's not biblical marriage. It's designed to be complementary opposites. What you find also is that we're supposed to be uniquely committed to one another. Notice this in verse 24. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is an exclusive relationship. This marriage relationship should take a priority over all other relationships. Notice you leave your family. You leave your family and you cleave to your wife. She now has a place in your life that no one else has. You leave all others behind, as the vows say. Uniquely committed to one another. And then God meant for this relationship, this marriage relationship, to be authentic, intimate, lifelong companions. You see part of this in just Genesis 2.25. Now the man and the wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. 
Again, they were together as they should be, completely naked. Now, when you say that, it's like, that feels just so awkward because we are in this earth filled with shame because of sin and brokenness. I'll talk about that in a moment. But the idea was that they, they had each other. God had put them together. And that's what they needed. They, they had what they needed in each other. Now, the reason this is important is you actually don't have everything you need in marriage because you need God. But notice God was right there with him, with them both. This is where you see as you, you grow closer to God, you, you grow closer together. And that's this picture of this lifelong companionship. And you see in, in Malachi 2, it says, though she is your companion and wife by covenant. That's that commitment. This companionship, but it's not casual. It's this covenant commitment that you make. It's a commitment really until death do you part. Again, back to the vows that we hear many times. And then third, the implications from Genesis 2 and Genesis 1 is that God offered the couple a great future. Genesis 1.28, and God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. We talked about this last week. This is called the great mandate. God has given you, it's a couple, the opportunity to have kids, to expand and to grow your family. That's a gift. And God's given it. And it comes with this, this, this future that can extend beyond generations. We want to walk with God together, expand our family, help our kids learn to walk with God, expand their family. And this is how you see the world begins to change. And so this is very significant, these scriptures. And we have to hold to this. If, if you're a Christ follower, you have to hold to God's views of marriage. Now, you can walk away with this, kind of seem like, well, this, this does not seem like what I'm experiencing in the world today. And, and that's true. This seems like, this, it's like a, one of those romance movies. You know, you ever watch those and rom-coms, you know? It's like, oh, this is great. And it, it kind of always works out in the end. Mess that people in the end, it's just like they come together and it's just all great. And it's wrapped up in like an hour and 30. And if you're a man, you're sometimes looking at your watch like, oh man, when will this wrap up, right? But in real life, things are really messed up. So you have, again, God's ideal and then our imperfections. And so I want to just, before Sam comes up, talk about why teaming is so hard. What was the number one thing in the poll? You guys remember? Dealing with what? Past hurt. So why is that the case? Why is that real? Well, I want to just talk about the problem. Well, we are all natively uh, selfish and in a power struggle. Sometimes the biggest power struggle you will have is with your spouse. Because sometimes our hearts are never fully exposed until we're married. That's actually when you find out a lot of times how selfish you are. And if you don't know, then you have kids. And then you really know. Because we all have this. Proverbs twenty two fifteen says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Now that word folly is not a word that we use a lot. But this is again defining the human condition because of sin. Sin entered the world and now we all have folly. And what is folly? It's a stubborn, determined selfishness. This is why if you've ever told a two-year-old to do something and they just look at you and go, No! You think, oh my goodness, how would you say such a thing? And then you just need to remember this verse, Proverbs twenty-two, fifteen: Folly that I'm seeing right now is bound up in your heart. This is actually the goal of parents is to train that out of them. That's why discipline is so important. We'll talk about that next week. But you can actually help your kids get past this folly that comes from loving discipline. But we all have it. A stubborn, selfish determination to get what we want. What does it say? It's bound up. It's, it's, it's locked in there. It's entangled. It's in our heart. And then part of the power struggle you even see in marriage, Genesis 3.16, it's talking about the, the curse from sin and even 
pregnancy and the pain and, and labor. And then notice the end. It says, and you will desire to control who? Your who? Husband. But he will rule over you. Now, this is rhetorical. You don't have to answer this. But ladies, do you ever struggle with controlling? Okay. That's, that's a, a normal struggle. And then husbands, do you ever just get so sickened of that control and then you try to power up over your wife? The two are hand in hand. See, we don't talk about this. But so many times, the issue is sin, but our culture doesn't know how to deal with sin. Christ knows how to deal with sin. He paid the penalty to forgive us of it, to give us a hope, to give us a future. But this power struggle, that, that selfish, stubborn determination to get what we want is really at the core of why families fall apart. Now, it gets more and more complex. We can get into more and more pain and more and more darkness, and the problems keep getting worse and worse, but it begins with that, that folly that all of us have. Not only that, but we're, we're also all, we have a streak of being harmful and arrogant, all of us. Ecclesiastes 9, the hearts of men, moreover, the hearts of men, this is mankind, the hearts of humanity, the hearts of everyone, moreover, are full of evil, which is literally harmful, and there is madness, that's arrogance, in their hearts while they live, and afterward, they join their dead. You know, in all my years, I've never walked into a home and seen Ecclesiastes 9.3 on one of those wooden signs. You know, like, wouldn't that just be eye-opening? Like, if you walked into our house and we had that, you, you might think, you know what, I, I think I'm, I'm just going to leave and, you know, walk out the door, but that would probably be the most accurate picture. Maybe it's like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and Ecclesiastes 9.3, but it will be a struggle. That's real. The reason I bring that up is oftentimes we forget these things, but you have to remember every time you wake up and look in the mirror, Proverbs 22, 15, Ecclesiastes 9, 3 are going on in your heart and my heart and your kid's heart and your spouse's heart. And it, it is, a, is a battle. We actually don't natively want to cooperate with each other. We all want to get our goals. All of us have goals and we all want them. And we tend to want to block other people's goals for our own. And we do this again and again. And this deals and drives hurt and pain. And oftentimes we don't take a step back and realize like it's the selfishness. It's my stubbornness. It's the fact that I, I want to hurt you to get what I want if you block me. And I'm not going to see things from your perspective because all I'm seeing is my goals. And that's where the arrogance drives. The reason I bring this up is you can't focus on teaming together in marriage without recognizing the stains in your own heart. And we all have them. But by the grace of God, this is why following Jesus is so important. You can't fix your marriage without Jesus. You can't fix your life. You can't put the, the pieces back together. You can't build on the rubble. Again, the foundation always is Jesus. And no matter what's brokenness on the foundation you've lived on before, you can rebuild with him. So having said that, I want to invite my wife up and we're going to share together just of how we've teamed together despite our stubborn determination at times and our own issues. And um, I think I have a couple pictures here. We're going to go, we're going to go back. Uh-oh. That's circa, I think that's early 2002. I think that's for uh, an engagement party we had. Look at those just young-eyed, not a care in the world couple. Uh, you see, I don't know if you saw that. You could see it up there too. Uh, in June, we'll, we'll be married um, 21 years, right? That's and right. Uh, we met in, in college. Here's a, you know you got married a while ago when there's like not digital prints and you have to take a picture of a frame from your that's home. Right. Like that's, that's what they call old school. And some of you guys, you, got, you don't even know old school. But that, that was our old school. Uh, we got married yeah, in, two, in 2002. Uh, we met in college I was 17, Sam was 18, and uh, talking about complementary opposites, when we first met, we were opposites, but we weren't yet complementary. <laughs> can I put, That's true. Can I, can I put that mildly, maybe? Uh, we met when but we, were, we liked each other we, a lot. <laughs> most of the time, we, we did, yes. 
Um, so we're, we're going to share specifically, I, I, if you can picture this, uh, how, you know, we team together. And so we're going to be talking about this idea of teaming. That's really important for marriage because oftentimes we think of it as like romantic and, and just, uh, feeling based and maybe sometimes even like kids and parenting, but really the goal of every marriage is to team and it's the team for God's purposes. And so we're going to be kind of using some analogies uh, along that. Uh, before we get started, I want to just recommend two books. Uh, if you're interested in getting married, um, if you are married, um, if you're trying to rebuild your marriage, these two books can be really helpful. Uh, Love and Respect and then His Needs, Her Needs. They deal specifically with the fact that men and women are different. And sometimes women don't know who men are and men don't know who women are. And if you try to relate to a woman like a man, you will be in big, big trouble. And the same is for women. And so these books actually help those. And so I encourage you, just pick one or you could buy them both. Uh, as a couple, read it and, and talk about it. I think, I think that will be a, a help. So before we jump into how we team together specifically, Sam, why don't you share what were some of the, I guess, surprises for you early on uh, after we got, got married? Yeah, well, you kind of just mentioned it, just realizing how different we are. Those two books, uh, we've, we've actually both read those a number of times. Um, super, super helpful, but we really are so different, not only just in personalities, but male, female. And I didn't realize the extent of that. And then also, because of how different we are, it just um, so easily we fell into miscommunication and misunderstandings. And so it seems like probably the first maybe five years of our life, of our marriage, I mean, we were constantly running into um, unintentional, like unintentionally offending each other because of what we said or what we didn't say and should have said or what we did or what we didn't do and should have done. And it just, I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, it shouldn't be this hard. Like he should just understand what I meant. And, but he didn't. <laughs> and so we had to, we had to work that out. I agree. Are we done? Are is the timer up? I'm, I'm, uh, we just got started. Okay. All right. Uh, so let's start with the, the first one, Sam. Why don't you kind of share the first key to teaming here? Yeah. So our first point is play your position well. Um, I really love the idea of the team in marriage because just like in a sports team, um, all the positions are equally important, but they're different, and those positions need to be played if, you know, we're, we're a soccer family, one of our sons plays soccer, and there's, there's the different positions on the field. And everyone has to play their position in order for the team to win, for points to be, you know, for goals to be scored, for success to be made. And that's how God designed marriage. We're, it's not just a relationship. He actually has a vision and a plan for us where he wants us to use our marriage and our our household to move his kingdom forward. And so we have to play our positions that are different in order to make that successful. And so um, there are so many scriptures um, that you can read up on marriage. You know, God actually lays out uh, the husband's role, the wife's role. Uh, very quickly, I'm just going to list them, and then you can look at them yourself. But First Peter 3, 1 through 7, Colossians 3, 18 through 19, Ephesians 5, 22 through 23, and Genesis, Genesis 2, 18 through 25 uh, kind of detail the roles that uh, husbands and wives have. But in a nutshell, what it communicates is that husbands are to lead courageously uh, while they are tempted to maybe defer passively. And wives are uh, commanded to follow aggressively while they might be tempted to control, which we talked about earlier. And so um, in a nutshell, those are really the two different roles. And I just want to quickly say, it's not a cookie cutter. There's not, you know, and it's certainly not a, you know, the husband is the boss and he's just dictating what everyone has to do. That's not what it means to lead. And a wife isn't to just blindly and stupidly follow her husband. That's not what it means to follow. But if you think about it in, in terms of team sports, 
every position on that field is very important, and every position needs to be played well, but they're different positions. Yeah, sure. So one of the questions was, how do I, as a main provider for my family, fall into the role as wife? Um, I think this is, a, this is a layered question written by a female for sure. Um, so just a couple of points. First, Genesis 2 actually paints the partnership that God intended for husbands and wives. And it is based on intentional God-designed male-female differences not on this circum- the personal circumstances that we find ourselves in. And so what that means is God called on the husband to be the leader of the family, and that's God's design. And God will hold the husband accountable for how he stewarded that responsibility. And so um, there is, there's hope in that, and there's help in that. And um, part of it is... Uh, one of the, so Genesis three sixteen through 19, you know, Alex mentioned kind of the, the fall and, and where things went wrong. Genesis three sixteen through 19 outlines the curse that we are all under because of the original sin of Adam and Eve and, and really our own sin. And verse 9, 19 specifically describes that Adam will find, the man, the husband, will find both his fulfillment and hardship and work. And so, in other words, men especially were designed to work. And so when we're in a situation where the the wife is working and the man is not, it feels tricky. But really what it is is if a man can work and he should be working because the family needs, you know, to be provided for, but he's choosing not to work, then that's a different issue. I mean, that, that's, that's something deeper that needs to be addressed. Um, but I, I want to mention that even in that, even when maybe one spouse isn't playing their role the right way, um, or they're not doing their due diligence, God is still faithful, and he is still working on our behalf. And so Isaiah 64, 4 describes that, how God really works for us. And so as wives, we want to still play our role well. Again, not stupidly. We want to do that with intelligence and making sure that we're handling our responsibilities. But the way that we can do that is if, if we're in a situation like this, is we continue to show our husband outward respect. Even if we don't feel it inside, we show him that outward respect, knowing that that's what honors the Lord for me to do. And then we trust God with the results of that. That's just point one. You guys still with us here? Okay. All right. The second aspect of teaming, I'm going to share the next two, is just to remember uh, the head coach. And this is the idea that, again, marriage is from the mind of God. Um, It's bigger than us. And when we get into sticky situations and when we're uh, feeling the pressure and stressed, uh, oftentimes we can look to the spouse to uh, fulfill our needs. Like this is your plan for my life. You need to help me. You need to be there for me. And we can actually end up trusting our spouse more than we trust God. And when you get into that situation, you, you actually belittle your spouse and you take the value away from the marriage because you have to trust God. You don't trust your spouse to bring your fulfillment. You have to remember uh, your, your head coach. Revelation 4 says, Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. This goes back to the previous question about how do you balance it all? You have maybe aging parents, and you have health issues in your family. You're trying to build a business and uh, you know provide, and I think this was a, a question from, from a man. Like, how do you do it all? Well, you do it all as you remember your, your head coach. Whatever you do, you do it for the, the glory of God. And he will give you the power you need as you face uh, challenges. And specifically in marriage, when you get stuck uh, and you find yourself in really tough situations, uh, it's an opportunity you, you, to pull towards the Lord Jesus. And he will give you help, like Sam's described. So remember the head coach. Third key aspect is to know uh, your teammate. Uh, this is actually a command in Scripture. Men, I encourage you to read First Peter 3, 7. 
It says to actually know your wives and to live with them in an understanding way. And the idea is that your wife is different than you. And actually, you, you can know that because have you ever researched the amount of words women have compared to men? Did you guys know that? Women use 20,000 words a day. Men use 7,000. Some of you thought I was just going to stop at seven. You're like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, fine. Good work was good. Dinner now, right, right? You know, caveman or something. But um, oftentimes we we get stuck because we want to be understood. But in marriage, love is actually you seek to understand first, right? You you, you try to understand, and so husbands specifically. Uh, even as it comes to communication, your wife wants to talk things out, wants to process. There's so many times when I'm talking with Sam and she begins to talk and I literally stop and I say, you're thinking about all of that at the same time? Like my brain doesn't have like the the actual capacity. Like she's got the upgrade, like the 2.0 and I'm like 1.7. Like I couldn't even think about that much. I didn't even know that that was possible. And so she begins to talk and I'm like, whoa, babe, like you're stressing me out. She's like, welcome to my world. And it's, uh, oftentimes it's the world of a woman. She's thinking about all of the interconnectedness of everything. Men, it's very separate. But it's my job to understand where she's coming from, to see things as she sees them. And oftentimes, again, you've heard this before, men, like we start to hear things and we're like, okay, there's a lot of words. Let's fix this. Let's solve it. Well, then you got more problems you're going to need to solve. But oftentimes it's listening and engaging and understanding um, trying to see things from, from her perspective. And again, 1 Peter 3, 7 uh, is really helpful. So Sam, you got the next one, right? Yeah. So number four is huddle often. Um, in my experience in our own marriage and even just in friends and, and people that we relate to, the wife tends to have a better sense of the health of the family relationally, you know, what's going on with the kids, where are we at, how are we doing, um, and that seems to be the wife really is in tune with that. And the husbands tend to have um, a better sense of the direction that the family needs to take. And so those are two opposite ideas and thoughts that really need to come together. And so huddling often, um, that that's something actually that we do on a regular basis. We, we get together, we talk about, okay, what's going on? You know, where are our kids at? What, what's going on with ministry and, you know, the house and, and budget and all this? And, and we kind of just talk things out. And so that just really helps us to get on the same page. Uh, one note about this, timing is very important. It's not helpful for me to unload on my husband the second he, you know, comes in from a stressful day at work. I need to think about a, a good time to talk about it. Or if we're in the middle of a conflict or, or it's, things are tense and I'm like, oh, and by the way, this is what we need to talk about. That's not helpful. Um, the times that I remember, I think of all the things that I need to huddle with him about, it's usually on a Sunday morning before church. That's not a helpful time to have that conversation. So you understand what I'm saying with this? For women especially, this is... This is something that we have to work on where we have to, because we do have all the thoughts. And, and what happens is as we're going about our day, something happens and it triggers that thought, oh yeah, this happened because, because it is connected. And so we don't want to just say that thought. We want to think about a huddle. So again, team sports, uh, you don't, you huddle, you don't huddle in the middle of the play. When the, you know, when you're in a play and it's stressful and you know, you're trying to get the ball down the line, it you don't huddle right that second. Like, no, 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 you, you've got to finish out that play and wait until you're on a, on a break. And then you, you know, you either huddle to think about how the next play is going to be made, or you huddle to debrief how that play that you just did went. So the timing of the huddle is, um, very important. And then, um, in addition to talking about what is going on in your family, another type of huddling that needs to happen is we need to be having fun together. The marriage comes first. It was first. The kids came second. And then, and then our kids are going to leave, Lord willing, and it's going to be us again. And Lord so, willing. <laughs> but not too soon. Um, and so we need to make sure that we're taking time 
to do enjoyable things together, that we're having fun and we're, you know, we're still enjoying the game. So. Sam didn't grow up with sports, but I'm just so proud of how your sport analogies are right on. You said move the ball down the line. I'm a soccer mom. I was visualizing it. I am a soccer mom. Um, One thing, just this is for husbands, but to live with your wife in an understanding manner also means that sometimes you can clue in to things that she might need to talk. So for Sam, when she says, hey, Alex, if she uses my first name, she's wanting to huddle every time. If she says, hey, Alex, and it's not like, hey, babe, or something, it's Al- if it's my first name, we need to talk. And then another thing that's helpful, and wise, I'm going to say this, because if your husband says this, this is the, the, the idea behind it. But husbands, if your wife's starting to talk to you, and you're beginning to think like, oh, man, this is complex, and there's a lot. W- one thing you might want to stop just, if you can, say, hey, babe, real quick, before you talk about all that you want to talk about, is this something that you want me just to listen to and process with you? Or are you looking for an answer? Are you looking for help? That will help you and your spouse out so much. Because oftentimes for men, we're clue- we don't know what you need. If you come with a problem, we will solve it. And so oftentimes when you start talking, we're like, well, there's a lot of problems I need to solve. But most of the time women are saying, no, I, I don't need you to solve it. I want you to be with me in it. And let's talk about it. And so as a husband, just ask like, are you looking for answers here? Do you want me just to sit and listen and process with you? And you're basically asking, like, let me know what you want me to do. Men need help. We do not intuit that well. We do not know what you're thinking. And so with Sam, oftentimes I'm just, I have to stop and say, hey, before you get in, like, what, what is it that you're wanting here so I can, I can help you, so I can actually meet your needs? That, that's part of love. Okay, uh, number five, be careful of fouls. In every sport, there are fouls. The play stops, momentum stops, and it's a reset. And in marriage, these fouls can really uh, stop momentum. The first is comparison. And this can happen as a couple without realizing it. Oftentimes, you can look at where you wish you were, and you're not. And you compare your expectations to reality. Then there's times that you can literally compare your kids to other kids, You can compare to other families. You can compare to your family situation. You know, statements like, well, my dad never did that. Or my mom's cooking. Like, be careful to start anything with my mom and dad, and the comparison is better for them, right? But it's it's easy when we get stuck to just go to comparison and how we wish we were somewhere, we wish something was different. And so you just have to, comparison, it just, it leads to a lot of problems, and so you have to watch out for that. And the second main foul in marriage a lot is, is complaining. Um, Sam and I learned this early on. I had a really tough job right out of college. It was very stressful. It was the first time I really had to work. I remember the first time it was like working 40 hours. And I came home. I'm like, dude, this adult, like, why didn't I stay in college forever? This is terrible. I was exhausted. And then it was stressful. And I just didn't feel like I was really doing like what I was supposed to be doing, and I just felt incompetent. And if a man feels incompetent and he doesn't like his work, he's in a really rough spot. Again, we're, we're back to that Adam. It's like working the ground, but there's thorns and there's weeds and there's rocks, and it's very hard. And um, I just remember oftentimes being so stressed about work and complaining, and that put a strain on, on Sam and our marriage because she's just like, wow, he's, he doesn't like his life. He's not in a good place, and then that just can build um, insecurity. You know, like, wow, are we in a good place? And so you have to watch complaining. And the same is true, um, for wives. And if you complain like about certain things in the family, and and you may not even think this is direct, but if you complain about something like related to the house or relate, like a man takes that very personally, what he hears you saying is you're not doing your job. I wish you'd do your job. And that can really break a man down. And so it's, it's both ways. But you have to really w- watch that complaining. And the scriptures, they actually speak the truth. It says do everything without complaining or arguing. And so you have to really nip that when, when that comes. So be careful of fouls, huddle often. What's the next one? Um, call timeouts as needed. So um, in marriage, you're in the game. And a lot of times you're you know, you, you only see what you see and, and you need someone else 
who can see the bigger picture. So, you know, think about the coach. The coach is on the sideline watching the whole thing unfold. So the coach has some thoughts. They have a better perspective of what's happening on the field. And so in marriage, um, for everyone, nobody knows how to do marriage perfect. None of us are going to do marriage perfect. And all of us need help. And for us, we have gotten help many times, uh, both to get out of a rough situation or even to help keep us from getting into a rough situation. And so the, the, the coaches for us, um, this doesn't, it, it's not a professional counselor that we have to go pay money for. It's people who actually know us, they're in our life, and they're, they're wise, they're uh, fellow believers, they're people who take God's word seriously and, and can actually give real input into our lives and our situation because they know us. So what that requires from us, though, is we have to be uh, humble. We have to be open and honest about what's going on in, in our life, in our marriage, and we also have to be teachable. We have to understand that we don't know everything. That, you know, we can't approach this with arrogance of, oh, we just, we know, we know what we should be doing and how this should work, and so we're fine. That's just not the case. And so with hum- humility, you need to call timeouts when needed and, and get outside help, and that's really beneficial in a marriage. And then the final one, just like in any sport, is you don't quit. You don't quit. Now, in the scripture, there, there actually is certain qualifications for divorce, and that was one of the questions. What about remarriage and divorce? What about divorce and bringing all the, the, the baggage? Well, in scripture, you can see in Matthew 19, 9, 1 Corinthians seven fifteen that in cases of adultery, Divorce is permitted in cases of an unbelieving spouse deserting their spouse. Divorce is permitted. I think 1 Corinthians 7.15 also speaks to uh, the case of abuse as the, the reason for, for divorce being justified. And so, like any covenant, it can be broken by the behavior and the choices of what somebody does. But oftentimes, outside of those situations... You have to fight for it. Now, it's easy to fight, but you have to fight for the marriage itself. And that takes, again, like Sam said, is just a willingness to get the help, get time together, work on things, and say, like, God, just despite our stubbornness and our selfishness, will will you help us so that we can remain uh, committed to each other? And so here at Ridgeview, uh, we, we view marriage as very high. Again, it's the cornerstone, it's the foundation of, of the family. And here, you know, Sam and I, we, like she just mentioned, we've had many tough seasons of marriage. And I know we're going to have some coming up as things begin to change, even in our own family life, as our kids get older and we launch them out and all the, the challenges that that will come with. But we want to be a help here at church. We talk about a spiritual family, but a spiritual family really does need to be there for each other in our own family. And that involves in marriage and in parenting and everything uh, in between. And so if you're in marriage and it's just rough and you just are feeling like you're stuck, begin, check out those books that we mentioned. And then get, get some help if you just don't know how to move forward, if you feel like you just don't know quite how to orient yourself. And, and we'll help you. We'll listen. We'll help you go to the scriptures, talk things out. And most of the time, it helps if a couple does that together. Like you need both men and women together hearing the same thing so you guys can get on the same page. And so finally, you know, don't, don't quit. Um, I want to wrap up with some, some next steps. As uh, Cameron comes back up, we're going to be kind of turning the corner here. Uh, I hope this has been a help to you and giving you some practical things. Whether you're married or not, uh, this gives a little bit of a map of, of how to move forward. And so, um, Sam, I want to thank you for helping this morning. Thanks for, well, let's give her a hand. Um, I, I really wanted her to share. So in a marriage, it's, it's a man and a woman and her perspective is, is different than mine. I've been blessed. Uh, we have been able to team together in life. My life 
is so much sweeter. Oh, goodness gracious, I'm going to stop. This isn't a marriage speech. Okay, so first next step, um, I want you to pick a key uh, to teaming and, and, and practice that. Like if, if you are married, pick one of those that are on there and look at it and say, you know, this is something that, that I need to focus on. This is something we need to focus on. You know, have a, have a conversation. If you're not married or you're just new to like this biblical marriage, uh, we've given you some scriptures and you can see that on the listening guide. And so look at those scriptures, begin to chew on it, get God's plan uh, for marriage just in your own orbit. And then I want to invite you to come back next week. We're going to talk about uh, parenting. And here's that QR code again. Uh, you can ask questions, parenting. You can ask questions related to what we've talked about even today. Uh, but scan that. Uh, engage with us. That will help us as we begin to talk more uh, each, each week of, of this series. Um, as I close out, um, I forgot to mention this, but fill out this connection card. And specifically, if, if you have prayer requests, I know we're talking about family and all of the intricacies of this, but if you have prayer requests and you just, you, you feel like you're stuck, let us know on this connection card how we can pray for you. We have a prayer team that would love to pray for you this week. And we take these prayers seriously and let us know how we can serve you. And so fill this out and uh, we really will do all that we can to help you where you're at. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, for your scripture, which is helpful, it's practical, and it's true. And uh, thank you that family is not something that we designed ourselves, but you are the designer, you're the creator, and you're also the one that gives us the power to move forward. And so, God, we, we need your help. Uh, things can feel so frayed and unraveling in our lives personally, in our marriages, in family life, with our expectations and discontentment and trouble and Things can just weigh so heavy on us. And so your scriptures say that we can come to you and cast our cares upon you. And you hear us. And so we, we do that this morning. We, we recognize our need for you. God, we thank you for our spiritual family here. Will you continue to help us strengthen together as we do your will? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.